0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Fitness Canter Podcast. As always, I am your host, Eric Feigl, and today I am joined by Dr. Richard Winnett, who is a faculty member at Virginia Tech, a Myers professor of psychology, um, as well as the former director of both the psychology department's clinical science program and the Center of Research in Health Behavior. But more importantly, specifically to this podcast, he's a lifelong bodybuilder, exercise enthusiast uh the author of Master Trainer which can be found on his website agelessathletes.com so i think you know as as many of my my guests have have talked about and i have talked about a lot and i probably harped on too much especially a podcast with my dad is i've talked a lot about um how important strength training is and how it it can be sustained through a lifetime and how it should be a part of everybody's lifestyle in general. So, Mr. Winnett has has been in the strength and conditioning game for a very long time, and he continues to do so, um, and he'll kind of give it his his brief background, and I'm sure throw his age out there if he wants to. So, uh, Richard, thanks for joining the show to us. I, I appreciate it. Really, really glad to be here. So, give us a little bit of, of background about yourself.
1: Well, um, a, a couple of things. First of all, um, in terms of my uh, professional life. I've been uh, extremely fortunate to be at Virginia Tech actually since 1979 and have had uh, terrific colleagues here. We've had some great uh, programs, the clinical science program in particular. And um, for the most part, uh, over the last 25 years or so, um, all the research I've done has focused on health behaviors and we've done some uh, large, I guess you'd say, interventions. We've been very fortunate to have a lot of funding from uh, the National Institutes of Health. And in more recent years, we have some uh, terrific collaborators in other departments. Um, we've really done some very good research on the health effects of resistance training. And all this is, um, in a way, fascinating uh, to me because as hard as it is to believe um, let's say going back a few decades um, resistance training was considered something yes you'll get a little stronger and maybe add some muscle but it's basically not a healthy activity
0: huh.
1: and it lead to all sorts of you know vascular problems and injuries etc and to see how much uh, things have to Changed where right now resistance training, you know, through various studies has been shown to have so many different kinds of health benefits. Um, to me, is really fascinating and uh, really great to see. Um, our particular work uh, focused on um, a type of uh, uh, disorder that is extremely prevalent. It's called prediabetes, um, which, again, prevalence rate is particularly high in people in their 50s and 60s but even younger. And the traditional <clears throat> intervention for that is um, a diet which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't work, and uh, basically walking. And again, uh, there is certainly some you know efficacy you know for that. Uh, what we did was uh, purely resistance training in the most simple uh, program, 12 different exercises, Uh, twice a week uh, using very, very good form, sound familiar, trained to failure. And that was the totality of the intervention. It wasn't a nutrition part that would have been probably, you know, more helpful. But we're able to show some uh, very good results in terms of about a third of the study participants over um, a couple of year period becoming what's called... um, Normal glycemic um, mm-hmm. in simple terms they know when we're pre-diabetic and obviously there are other uh, benefits we saw in in terms of increased strength some uh, modest changes in body composition and decreased blood pressure so this is just one simple intervention and to see all those uh, health benefits is really um, critical the other thing <clears throat> which is something um, I'm also interested but really have not um, studied, um, one of the things, again, as people get older, uh, that they may hear about or trainers may suggest is, quote, functional training. Mm. And it sounds really great until you really look at the literature and realize there is no one functional training protocol. Right. And when I looked at this um, going back maybe six or seven months ago, um, over a lot of years, there really were only about 13 uh, good controlled uh, trials with functional uh, training and looking at different outcomes. By way of contrast, uh, there are many studies on functional abilities in older adults and resistance training, and the results look very good because a lot of the problems are loss of strength. And then you have a you know specific component to a task, but if you don't have the strength, you're not going to be able to do any of it. So right. Again, I think rather than being on the periphery of public health uh, as resistance training remains still today, um, there's some of us who like to see it really at the center.
0: Yeah, as it should be too. I mean, and I, I do kind of want to dive back into that first study you were talking about because um i'm I'm very interested in uh, learning more about the sets and the repetitions and how many days a week uh, people were participating in that. But uh, tell us a little more about your personal um, longevity in in uh, strength training and how you got started.
1: Um, I got started and, um, uh literally almost sixty years ago. And uh, it sounds like your you know typical kind of uh, story, but um, in this case, it's completely true. So, as a uh, close to 13 year old, I was uh, very small. I'm still uh, as small as an adult, but I was several inches shorter as a 13 year old. Um, kind of, you know, and again, it's sort of disparaging to say, sort of a uh, roly poly, so to speak. Um, and uh, my mom, who, was, who I was always very close to, said, uh, What do you want for your birthday? <laughs> And I told her uh I wanted a set of weights. And uh to my mom's everlasting credit, uh rather than saying, you No, know, that's crazy, you know, who, who who in the world does that, um, she actually said, Okay. So uh we went to the department store, uh, got a set, you know, a small set of um you know billet barbells, came with a bar. Uh, maybe 100 pounds of weights, two dumbbell handles, and uh, that was really the start. I mean, it, it's um, incredible, you know, to think of that. You know, what I would have done if my mom said no, you know, you're you're crazy, etc. And um, from the first, I, I think in part because one, I typically am okay with doing things alone. So this was in uh, the weights were actually in the laundry in their house. And um, I, you know, came with a set of instructions, and um, was immediately, which was good, pretty responsive on the strength side. Sure. sure. And um, you know, things sort of went f- from there. It really never stopped, and just really continued. I have uh, have had a lot of um, different incarnations over the decades, and uh, but I really never stopped the resistance training. I did for a period of time, which I uh, regret from around 25 to 40. And I sort of have to know the era that was, um, did a lot of uh, long distance running, which I was never very good at, and um, actually never particularly liked doing. And um, it was not an era where people were doing a lot of um, short distance and sprinting. And even though, for example, when I got to Virginia Tech, when I was 34, um, on Fridays, I typically went to, uh, they had an indoor field house in the summers that was great because it was so hot outside. And what I um, saw, but it sort of never registered, what I saw is that at least for short distances, um, even though it was kind of heavy at the time, um, I could actually run pretty fast. And because the men's and women's track team was there, um, typically at times I went, um, I saw that I was almost as fast as some of them, obviously not as fast as the fastest ones. And it never sort of registered because people weren't doing that at the time that that's what I should have been doing, some form of that for my, you know cardiovascular exercise. And, um so I I think basically I wasted uh years maybe 25 26 to 40 um, trying to combine uh long distance running which was again not very good at with twice a week resistance training which I was you know pretty good at and then I eventually uh stopped that and I got a lot of um, inspiration and help from uh, Clarence Bass, who I'm sure oh, yeah. oh, uh, well. you're you know, familiar with, and started to train more like he was doing at the time. So it was a split routine. Um, it also tended to um, emphasize the fact that it was um, really quite strong in, in some basic movements and did a lot of variations of a three-way split routine um probably from the late 80s to um actually you know, 2007. so i did that for about 25 years and um, uh, again was quite uh, good at that had pictures in uh, the old iron man magazine for example uh did some very credible things in the squat and deadlift and, and um, shins and um, predictably, uh, and again, I think some of this is fairly predictable, um, towards my late 50s, 60s, um, some of the things that I did um, started to catch up with me. So I can't say during the prior years that I had a lot of injuries, that would not be true, uh, but what started to happen, and it, um, is amazing that it took so long to uh, um, you know, kind of manifests itself. So I'm a person who um, I think mostly because of my mom and taking care of her really was quite strong in, in a number of movements, but a very small and have small hands. So for example, for deadlifts and rows and things of that sort, um, I use grips. So grips enabled me to use a lot more weight then my hands and particularly my elbows could uh, eventually sustain so i really had some uh, major trauma some major inflammation with my elbows very painful Mm -hmm. Uh, pretty amazing to see how blown up they were and um, i remember going to my uh, physician who has been our family physician since we uh, got to blacksburg you know, him basically saying in a nice way, you know, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so uh, that was sort of the, you know, end of that incarnation. And around that time, um, I started to, you know, think about this at a lot of help from uh, Ralph Carpinelli that some people may be familiar with, with uh, Ralph, uh, later um, Stuart Phillips, in really started to uh, work around a protocol that was not dependent upon uh, using heavy weights. Uh, circa 2017, you would say it is um, much more kind of effort-based rather than you know looking at a particular weight and say I must use this weight. And I think without making that transition uh, literally 10 years ago, um, it is uh, not an exaggeration to say, I think I'd be crippled. You know, and that sounds, you know, pretty, um, you know, a sneer to say that. But if I think about somehow trying to continue, you know, um, heavy weights with deadlifting, you know, my, uh, I, I'd be incapacitated as far as elbows. Mm-hmm. If I think about um, a lot of weight and, you know, squats and leg presses, um, etc. Uh, there go, you know, your knees and hips. And I was at the time, uh, like chinning with uh, a great deal of weight attached to me, and uh, that there go your shoulders. So, in some ways, I mean, to be perfectly honest with listeners, um, there's sometimes that I sort of miss being able to do some of those things. I sometimes even felt like a you know, circus performer. Doing some of the stuff, but it it just is doesn't make sense because of the injury potential. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if you really get hurt when you're older, uh, you may be done—not just done with resistance training, but done with walking, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. uh, knee replacements, etc. So this has worked very well. Uh, what's interesting with an effort-based approach compared to my former approach is um my training frequency is per muscle group much higher as i've gotten older which is interesting yeah and the volume is is higher it's not you know high volume training but compared to what i was doing before and on a set per uh, muscle group per week basis it's higher so it has been you know interesting and um you know, it's still enjoying, you know, the training. Uh, it's still enjoying being in the gym, uh, you know, not just going through the motions, but, you know, a really good effort, which I, uh, uh, effortful workout, which I define as really being very, very focused with good form. Yes. Um, yes. It's still very enjoyable. So it's been a long, uh, interesting saga in that way.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds like it. And it's, well, let's go back to, you know, when you first got that, that weight bench. What what did that manual look like, and who did you look for for inspiration? Where did you get those kind of workouts when you first started?
1: Um, basically, they were in a little booklet um, you know, from Bill uh, Barbell, and then I uh, started to look at um, Strength and Health. And um, at least in that era, with some exceptions, people tend to be doing more sensible, you know, workouts, basic exercises, uh, a couple of sets, you know, like overhead press, squat, um, etc. cetera. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what I did. Uh, there were times now sort of looking, you know, in my later teen years where I um, foolishly, like a lot of people uh, tried to do. Uh, you know, very high volume routines 15 20 sets for muscle group, um, which again was crazy, left me exhausted, uh, didn't respond to that at all. Um, and uh, I'm glad I did not keep you know trying to do that. So, again, in um, when I was doing a lot of running, um, fortunately, then I was doing a very simple basic routine, uh, you know, 15 16 exercises. Uh, one set each the failure. Okay. Um, you know, so it was very, that part was very sensible. Uh, running 40 miles a week was the nonsensical part.
0: Yep. Yeah. So fast forward to now. Um, cause I think, you know, you, you mentioned that you were, d- you're doing some split training, but you've got, um, a little more volume. Uh, what does your routine look like now compared to, to let's say that 10 to 15 years ago?
1: Um, right, right now, and actually, I've been doing this uh, something similar for the last decade. And I, I think uh, one of the things that's really important that I've been thinking about over the last um, few days is that um, you know some of the exercises are simply so effective that the idea that you have to you know constantly change them and this and mm-hmm. that. It uh, makes no sense. I mean, I've been doing the you know basic squat exercise for you know decades and it's still hard. It's still a great exercise. I wish I could still do deadlifts. Um, I can't do that because of the uh, what will happen to my elbows. So I actually do a uh, pretty good good morning exercise which I got very good at. Note leg presses, etc. Mm-hmm. So, what I like to do, which is kind of a carryover from some of my past training, um, uh, all the exercises are uh, one set each, very good form, typically um, three up, three down, uh, sometimes longer uh, uh, duration repetitions, maybe four, four, five, five, sometimes if I'm not focusing as well as I think I can, I will actually uh, make the duration of the rep longer. So it gets me to focus a lot, which I consider um, something extremely important with training. Yes. Yes. And I'll do um, several different exercises uh, per muscle group. Uh, One set each, um, not racing between exercises, but about uh, a minute or so uh, between exercises. And um, the only thing that's different, which again I think is sort of important to note, um, uh, I do warm up and I do a, a start my lower body training with squats, which I've done for, forever and still, you know, a great exercise and, you know, conventional free weight squat. And then I do a good morning exercise. i in the same, you know, setup with a rack. And uh, the only thing that's different there um, between those two exercises, I'll take about a minute and a half, sometimes two minutes. Um, and the reason is if I just took a minute, it's simply too hard. Um, uh, I don't want to make training aversive. Uh, I want to make training something I look forward to rather than something I dread. And I'm taking, what, 30 seconds more um, between those two sets, you know, fine. Uh, you know that works very well. And the rest of it, because now I'm in a um, commercial uh, gym uh, rather than years before when I had a, a fantastic home gym. You know, sometimes someone's using machine, and it's sort of the next thing you're supposed to be doing. And rather than standing around and frankly getting bent out of shape, um, I'll just change the order. Yeah. So yeah. there's no reason why I have to do, um, you know, the seated row at this particular instant is instant. If someone is using it, you know, uh, later I'm supposed to do like the overhead press, so I'll do the overhead press first and come back to the dips and things like that. And um, I try in regular gyms to not pay attention to the chaos around me, just focus on the workout. If I pay too much attention to what other people are doing, it begs the question, you know, know, why aren't you paying more attention to what, you know, in this case I'm actually doing? So um, the reason for the split routine, I've always liked to train that way. I don't think there's any great benefit. The thing that I do like about it is that, um, particularly with with, the squat, good morning, and the leg press, I put a lot of effort into it and not feel that I am um, too tired after some other lower body exercises to do um, justice to the upper body. Um, but to tell the truth, um, sometimes not all the time when I uh, travel, I simply do the whole thing, some uh, form of, you know, putting all the exercises together.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm looking at um... – you know, your sustainable uh, training article and then kind of, you know, just what you described. Um, Day one uh, is your lower body. Day two would be upper. It looks like you take day three off and then day four is your lower body. And you go back to um, upper body on day five. And I recently, which by the way, seems extremely sensible. (laughs) I mean, everything that you're doing, there's nothing out of this world. There's nothing that takes a ton of thought, which I think most people, and you and I had this conversation uh, last week, most people take, you know, they'll go into a gym and if it's not the latest flashiest thing, then they almost think that it's not worth it. You know, like they'll look at you like, oh, you're doing a, um, whatever, a low back extension. Oh my gosh, like that's so outdated. I'm like, what does your low back do that mine doesn't? I don't understand. So I I agree, you know, focusing on what your body does and then finding the most effective and safest way to train that, um, is ideal. I don't think it needs to be this big. Let's find the biggest, baddest thing we can do. The craziest looking thing we can do that takes 15 minutes to set up and do that, um, you know, for 15 sets. So to, to kind of piggyback off of your exercise program, I recently started training, um, myself the past about month and a half um, in a split routine. And I'm, I'm kind of a Mr. Full Body, um, training, training person. And and I still advocate that for you know, all of my clients. Um, you know, now if somebody came up to me and said they really, really want to try a split, okay, we can try it. But for most people, full body's, I think the way to go, um, in your, when you're in a time crunch. But for myself, I've been doing, um, a Monday, Tuesday, my Monday is I just do upper body press day. Um, three, maybe four exercises, including mostly chest and including um, shoulders. And then my Tuesday would be pulling day and I throw in at the very end. I'll, I basically do a multi joint so I'll do like um, my seated row first on a machine and then I do a nautilus pullover and then I'll go to a close grip pull down. and then sometimes i'll I'll end with um, a dumbbell shrug, uh, not all the or a, or a barbell shrug, not all the time. And then I'll, I'll, I'll keep my biceps and triceps out of both of those days. Wednesday, I'll do a sprint day. Well, I have an airdyne in my in my um, basement and I just crank out 15 minutes of, you know, or less because that thing smokes me at the end of it. <laughs> but yeah. I'll do my, my airdyne. And then on Thursday, I'll do um, legs and it's usually a little more uh, in terms of exercises. I'll pick, uh, you know, leg extension, um, hamstring curl. Which I'll do single joint, and then I go to my multi joint, which is a leg press, um, and then maybe either a dumbbell lunge or a step up to get a little bit more glute. Or I'll do, um, you know, like a, a deadlift at the very end, just just to target hamstring and, and glutes a little bit more. And then on um, Fridays, I usually just hammer a one set upper body push pull and then Saturdays I rest, Sunday I rest and then I kind of repeat. And right now, I tell you, for you know, the longest time I I kind of didn't really I think think I would get much out of uh, you know, something like that, but my my workouts are lasting around I would say I did one today and it was 26 minutes and I was huffing and puffing. I took a minute break between each exercise. And um I you know, I feel great. I feel feel strong and I'm I'm seeing some physical results from it. So um yeah, what, what you're talking about, I think, is is definitely sensible, and long-term, it's extremely sustainable, and most people might think this, you know, working four days a week is, you know, a little over the top, maybe they don't want to be in the gym that much, and, and I, I understand that. Now, this is coming from two people who've been training for a very long time, you, in particular, you, so you've found what works for you and what doesn't work for you, what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, so there's a lot to be said for that.
1: No, I, I agree. I mean, um, and the other thing, to be you know, very honest about it, um, is um, being in academia, my schedule is fairly flexible. Mm-hmm. Yep. And therefore, for example, um, in the morning, I don't have to get to the gym at the crack of dawn. And I've uh, always been able, to, uh, now that I no longer have a uh, large home gym, get there when sort of the early morning crowd is no longer there so it's fairly easy to do a workout and they're short and um you know basically i like doing that i like starting the day with something that generally i'm going to be you know pretty successful at and sort of sets the stage for the rest of the day and what i'll do which is um a little bit different is the average actually number of workouts is um Usually around five a week, and the way that comes about is I typically uh, do the you know uh, lower upper body day off, uh, lower upper body day off, but I don't take uh, often don't take the uh, two days off. Okay. I will if I'm not recovered or feel sore because then it, it's going to be totally counterproductive. Right. Um, right. But um, capable of doing that with the caveat is that. Depends on actually getting some uh, decent sleep, um, and if you're not recovering and training when you're uh, obviously still sore, uh, you're simply going to go backwards. So, even though one could be extremely enthusiastic, love to be in the gym, um, if the signs are you're getting overtrained, it's not a good thing to you know, to do that.
0: No, yeah. yeah, you can't you can't push with overtraining, and it's such a slippery slope too because people exactly. so just. They, they want to push, push, push all the time. And it's, uh, you know, and I get that, that mental attitude. I understand that, but, you know, to take back off and have rest days, complete rest days, when I mean, you just get out and enjoy yourself, you know, people have activities they like to do. And that's, that's what strength training should be about. It should only benefit those kind of things. Um, I, I do want to get to something that we mentioned earlier, uh, the very beginning of the podcast, you mentioned, um, you did a strength study. So I, I want to touch on that and, because um, I think, you know, there, there's more and more research coming out about basic, simple strength training and the health benefits, and you you hit on a couple of them, you know, blood pressure, um, diabetes, and, you know, there's, the list goes on and on and on. So what did that study look like in terms of sets, reps, and frequency?
1: Um, it was extremely simple, and the major interest really was not so much could we... To be honest, get results within a supervised setting, which the as you know probably better than uh, almost anyone is. Yeah, you can get very good results. Of course. So this really was um, uh, on the behavioral side and on the psychologist um, a lot about long-term maintenance. So the setup is um, basically uh, with uh, some terrific collaborators in other departments and other disciplines. Uh, We have a lab gym in Roanoke, Virginia, which is around 35, 40 miles from here, and where now uh, part of Virginia Tech is. And uh, we had 170 participants in over uh, a couple of, quote, waves of participants. Uh, They first go through supervised training in the lab gym, uh, which consisted of actually uh, all Nitro Plus equipment, not a... Uh, PR person for Nautilus, you know, good equipment. Yeah, um, they were taught to train in a very particular way, which is not locale. you see people train in gyms, which is pay attention to what you're doing, pay attention to the range of motion, use a repetition format that was again three seconds for the concentric part, three seconds for the um, uh, uh, eccentric part, uh, no pauses, smooth repetitions. Uh, trained to failure, which was defined in this case as the last good uh, repetition you can do in good form. And basically, there were 12 exercises twice a week. It's mm-hmm. a supervised part. And then um, what pe- people did, there was a you know, pre-assessment, baseline assessment, post-assessment. Uh, there uh, were in the area uh, a number of, quote, um, approved health clubs and gyms, including the uh, the various Ys in the uh, Roanoke and Salem, Virginia communities, and people would pick a place to train, which they you know, paid for, and typically they got um, you know, a slight reduction, and they would train on their own for up to a year, follow them to uh, post the, uh follow-up assessments, uh, literally head-to-toe uh, exams. And we're interested in um, adherence. We're also interested in, uh, again, people going from being pre-diabetic to uh, normal uh, glycemic control. And uh, they weren't just let off on their own, in which case I think you would have seen a drastic Mm drop-off. But we had different, quote, theory-based approaches, which is uh, pretty much my specialty, uh, for maintenance, which included... um, some very specific ways to plan their workouts. Uh, we had um, some initial training. The training would actually go to their new facility uh, with them to make sure they knew how to use the new equipment, which was often different from what was in the lab gym. Uh, they had to report their um, workouts to the resist diabetes site, which is no longer operative. Um, they got feedback. Uh, if there were particular uh, problems that they're having, they uh, reported those. And we also had uh, very, very brief, um, uh, interspersed phone contact with people. So we had a follow up coordinator. And the follow up calls were about 10 minutes. They simply focused on their training, what they were doing. Uh, the follow up coordinator, with obviously people's permission, uh, was able to look at the training data that people put on the resist diabetes site. And if there are any issues or problems, uh, work those out. No pun intended, but I think that was very important. <laughs> and also, um, what people did among a num- number of things um, when they went to the site, at least uh, once, preferably uh, twice a week. Uh, was also indicate things, uh, their expectation of being able to uh, train, continue to train twice a week. Uh, they did a number of other ratings. And uh, if you're one of our staff, or in this case a follow-up coordinator, you're looking at uh, people coming up, and you see on the site their expectation rating coming down, I think they also did an enjoyment rating, um, if you don't respond to that, they're going to be lost. You know, if someone is basically saying my confidence in my expectation to continue to train twice a week is, you know, it's a one to ten scale where it had always been a seven or eight, which is pretty good. Now is a five. Hmm. Um, if you don't respond to that very quickly, uh, they're done. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, that was a big part of it, and a lot of the study studies not so much about can resistant training work with people who are pre-diabetic, which it can, uh, but uh, can we really keep people going and maintain their training, which we're pretty good at doing. They're not as adherent as you and I, where missing a workout is a you know, big deal, but their adherence rate over a year was uh, training on their own was about 75%, which is Wow. Um, you know, pretty good. Yeah, you know, no kidding. Yeah, this is not um, everyone's favorite activity. You <sighs> know. Um, and, uh, again, I think that was um, you know, pretty good. And uh, that kind of what, what the study was about. Uh, we had uh, extremely good measures. We had uh, terrific trainers, a very project director, um, people from three or four different disciplines you know, on the team, and that that was really, you know, terrific to do.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome, and I was really interested in that, too. So is there, um, for the listeners, is there a link or a place where they can view that study if they want to?
1: Um, they could go to um, um, PubMed, P-B-M-E-D, put in my last name, and at least see um, some of the abstracts, which will give them, you know, a fairly good idea of, of how things were. And there's a number of there's about eleven or twelve studies uh, papers from that particular study.
0: Okay, perfect. I can I can link that to the show notes if, if people are, are interested. So, yeah, that's that's excellent. And it you know that sounds extremely familiar to, um. And I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Dr. Wes Wainscott. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, he that that's you know right up right up that alley. So I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to checking that out too. So, um. But look, Richard, I, I know we're we're kind of winding up on time here, so I I wanted to thank you again for sharing some knowledge, and and really I'm gonna kind of give a shout out to my dad because <laughs> I posted a a question on some on social media a couple weeks ago, and I just asked like, what do you want to hear on the podcast? Because you know I kind of want to do something a little more geared towards people, what people are wanting to hear rather than what I wanted to talk about. And my dad, being in his mid fifties, you know, and he's a quote unquote aging athlete, and uh, very active, very fit still, very strong and mobile. And he just said, I want to know a workout program. What are the best exercises for someone in their 50s? And no matter how many times, Richard, that I tell him, like it doesn't matter the age, here's what's going to work for you. <laughs> he just... Unfortunately, this was about the time that Dr. Winnett's internet dropped, so we had to cut the call short. But he did want to make sure that I stressed how important it is to really focus while you're working out and controlling the exercise and bring some intensity to it. So um, I hope all of of you enjoyed this episode. I know I did. Thanks again to Dr. Wynette, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform, at Eric Feigl, or email fcp at ericfeigl.com. Make sure to check back every Tuesday and Thursday for more Fitness Candor.